everybody, and welcome back to the PFN Scouting Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Miller, joined as always by my co-host, Ian Cummings, and we're going to check back in on the quarterbacks. It is a ridiculous group of quarterbacks in the 2024 NFL Draft class or potential 2024 NFL Draft class. A couple of guys may go, a couple of guys may not. Uh, young guys who have shown out so far may choose to stay in school because this senior class is so talented. But as always, I have to ask, Ian, how are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Just uh, another week. It's kind of the grind at this point. We've got that rhythm down. We're just going week by week. Uh, last week, I think I help out with my tennis team, too. And uh, I came up to tennis practice and they're like, hey, Ian, we found your Twitter account. I see drafts. What the heck, man? So I got to give a shout out to DeWitt Men's Tennis High School. Uh, keep killing it, guys. And uh, yeah, just keep uh, if you're watching this, there's the shout out. But so, yeah, we're um, it's good on, on that side, on the football side, on the non-football side. Things are uh, turning along. So um, this past week in particular, not a ton of, you know, high ticket matchups, but we ended up getting more than we bargained for. I think Ole Miss and LSU right, right down to the wire. That was a great game. Uh, Texas and Kansas. Texas looked really good, I think, on both sides of the ball. Uh, the Notre Dame and Duke, that one had some good plays as well. A lot of prospect matchups in there. Uh, a lot to go over, but I think you're right. Absolutely. It is time to refresh and get to our next QB checkpoint. I'm going to talk about some of these these storylines, and I think in particular USC versus Colorado. want to start with that, but then also you know, a few, a few um, storylines to check back on, like May versus Williams for QB1. Uh, a lot to get into, so uh, let's get right into it. Yeah, and uh, I know we're going to actually start with Caleb Williams and Shadur Sanders and that duel, but I, I wanted to bring up something real quick. Uh, the Riley Leonard injury yeah. looked really bad. Hopefully, it is just a high ankle sprain. College injuries are so tough because we don't get an injury report. We really don't get the truth on these guys very often when it comes to the extent of their injuries, or sometimes we don't even know what their injuries actually are. But with, with Leonard, I wanted to not bring up the injury, but bring up everything that happened around the injury. I cannot say enough about Sam Hartman. First of all, mm -hmm. on the field, I mean, I don't think that he's a guy who's going to be out on the field on Sundays as a starting quarterback, but I can see him being in a leadership role somewhere as a coach, uh, as a consultant, as a backup quarterback for a long time in the NFL. He's got the toughness, but he just seems like the type of character that you love from a quarterback and, and you know, obviously staying on, on the field afterwards and going and checking up on Leonard was awesome to see, but it wasn't just that the first thing that really caught my eye with, with, with Hartman was when he was scrambling on a play, he took a hit. It was a big hit on along the sideline. He got up and he head tapped the DB and was like, GG's like good game. And, and it just reminds me his mannerisms, he is obviously a, a little bit flashy like Will Greer was back in the day when he was playing for West Virginia as a player, but there is a lot personality wise that kind of reminded me of, of Andrew Luck. And so he's not the player that Andrew Luck is. I, I want to throw that out there, but the personality of a, a guy like that, I think could stay around a long time in the NFL or college football in some sort of leadership role. Yeah, I mean, we we see every offseason, right, when the Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl and the All-Star Circuit comes around, like, that personality aspect is just as important. Like, I think a big reason Aiden O'Connell went in round four this past year is because you look back at his college sort. He was a walk-on, right? He didn't play for two years. When he finally got his opportunity, he took advantage of it, but he worked his way up, and he's been regarded as a, as a really good leader all around, right? So, you know, you look at those traits and those, those intangible traits off the field, uh, and if you have a guy that you really like on day three, 
who can be that who can be not just a safety blanket, but I think a locker room facet for you, you know, for years on end. That is just as important too. And the backup quarterback plays into that. So Sam Hartman, seeing him, you know, it was cool watching his interview after the game, right? Like they're asking questions and you can tell he's his mind is elsewhere. He's like, I just want to go check on my guy, Riley, man. And that's kind of cool. Like football really is a family, you know, especially for quarterbacks. They know how big of a risk they're running on every play, stepping back in the pocket. You know, you never know when you might get a lower leg injury, right? Guys are falling around everywhere. It's just kind of the name of the game. Uh, so seeing that and seeing him kind of check in and, you know, knowing that they have that relationship, knowing that Hartman, you know, has that, you know, that in, I'm trying to think of the word that initiative. Uh, yeah. Humanity. Yeah, exactly. It's just cool to see in action, right? You know, you don't always people, sometimes you see fights and stuff like that. You know, sometimes it gets taken away from that. So it's really good to put that under the spotlight and show that, you know, these guys have that element too. So it was, it was cool. You know, Hartman's always been a, a top notch competitor, but a top notch teammate and a top notch, you know, just even, um, uh, what's the word I'm blanking on so many words today, man, but sportsman, like sportsman. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's it. So it, it was cool to see for sure. Yeah, uh, Caleb Williams and Shadur Sanders. Let's get to football here. I'm, I think Caleb Williams is a special, special talent. I also think that Caleb Williams is in a situation that doesn't really allow us to see what he will be at the next level. I think it is more projection. And, and this is, for me, the difference between him as a prospect, as Trevor Lawrence, as Andrew Luck, the situation surrounding Caleb Williams is different. He is, I mean, defenses are dropping eight. Colorado dropped nine guys against him on a third down. He ran around for 75 seconds and then hit a wide open guy for a 71 yard touchdown. Like as Colorado, you deserve to have that 71 yard touchdown right on your dome. You deserve that. You have to rush this guy. You have to make him uncomfortable. And, and I don't understand. I understand coverage is king, but I don't understand these teams that, especially a guy that can create the way that he creates. Rushing three guys is a losing battle because you're giving him an escape hatch. He has nothing to worry about outside of those three guys, and he is able to account for two of them by the way that he moves. So for me... I'm worried about what I'm seeing from Williams, not from anything that he is showing, but just strictly from the situation in which he finds himself in. It's just really, really easy for him. Everything is just really easy for him. And that's okay. That's what a college coach is supposed to do. That's what Lincoln Riley has done for years. And we've seen his quarterbacks have relative success at the NFL level. He is a different level of prospect as all of them, but there is more that you want to see from a quick processing standpoint that he's just not asked to do in that offense. And every once in a while, they'll show it and he'll get rid of the ball quickly and he'll hit even a, a downfield target quickly, mm -hmm. um, you know, over the middle of the field, intermediate, getting it out in about three seconds. But but a lot of it is four seconds, five seconds, looking around, finding an open guy after, you know, creating and that's not translatable to the next level in the same way that down to down consistency is. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because you, 
we do have examples of both on tape where defenses send four or five or even six and get burned for it because he is so good at evading that pressure and creating for himself. I mean, the short area mobility, the feel, the instincts, right? And then the ability to create space and and utilize it, weaponize it with that off-platform ability, the the just insane arm strength and arm elasticity to the torquing ability. So, you know, all of those traits, he's burned defenses before in that situation. So you put defenses in in a bind when, you know, they're, they're saying, hey, if I rush extra guys, we're going to leave someone open down the field. But if we don't rush enough guys, then Caleb Williams is in complete control. And eventually someone's going to break open. Right. It's kind of yes. a, a tug and tug of war. It's really a lose lose for the defense. Right. So we have seen it before, but I agree. And I think that Colorado game was a really good example of it. Colorado has been outmatched in the trenches week after week right you know they don't they have a few guys on, on the in the edge rushing court jordan dominic Derek mclendon they, they had some transfers but you know they don't have the full unit to consistently pressure offensive lines and, and get that consistent pressure generation um and we see that right caleb williams had a lot of time this past week and he used it right so i think it's one of those things where i agree we haven't seen it to a proportional level yet he often has a lot of time to work with, and he's very good at working with that. But, you know, in a vacuum, we do need to see a little bit more. And luckily, you know, we do have some interesting tests on the horizon for USC. Utah has the sack leader, Jonah Ellis, on their defensive line, who's a very good speed rusher. So that'll be a fun one. Washington has Braylon Trice, who had a really good week this past week against uh, Jordan Morgan. Oregon is the one that I'm excited to see because they got Jordan Birch. They got Brandon Dorless. They got Evan Williams, who's been really good blitzing out of the slot this year. So Oregon's defense, Dan Lanning, is not afraid to put pressure on your quarterback, even if he's Caleb Williams. So I think that's the one that I'm circling. Like, if you want to see Caleb Williams process quickly, stay on rhythm under pressure, you know, and not kind of create chaos unnecessarily in those situations, that's the game that I'm circling, that I really want to see something new from him. We've seen everything we need to see. We know that he's worthy of the number one overall pick. I mean, you look at the creation ability, but then also... You know, there was that cover two touchdown, just layering it over the linebacker was so just effortless velocity, you know, layering pace and touch. Right. You know, you see that kind of arm talent and it's it's rare. It just doesn't happen naturally very often. Caleb Williams has it on top of that, too, having the vision to create off script. I mean, all those things. He checks those boxes. We know that. But if you want to see something new, that Oregon game to me is the one I'm circling. You got the rush. You got the scheme. That's going to be a fun one. And you have the offense on the other side that's going to force you to keep the pedal down. So that one, the stars are kind of aligning for a really interesting matchup. But this duel in particular, right? I I mean, I think we saw, you know, both guys produced at a major clip. And we can talk a little bit about Shadur now because he kind of started off cold. But he started to pick things up, especially in that second half. And I think, you know, even though USC's defensive line wasn't quite as domineering as Oregon's, you did see him make some really impressive NFL-level throws. And I think, you know especially after the Oregon game, we were looking for some source material to say, you know, hey, Shadur is still around one worthy prospect in this class. I don't think for, you know, for us evaluators, it was really ever a question, right? Because we know that we knew that Oregon game there, they were outmatched in the trenches from the start, but he bounced back, I thought, and put on some really good throws. Yes, he did. And honestly, I thought that the entire Colorado team did a really nice job bouncing back and, and it, Kind of just goes down to coaching. I mean, they really true duly they do truly believe that they can compete against everyone, even though they, they really can't. Also, USC's defense is horrific. We do have to throw that out there as well. Even though things did not start out good for Shadura, I did think that he bounced back in the second half and played well in the second half. And it's just for me, I, I see a lot of, of Gino with him. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody said that to me 
on Twitter and I was like, yeah, that's the one that makes sense. The, the, the Gino comp because he's a, he's an athletic guy. Yeah, I don't think he's the best runner in the world uh, it, when it comes to actually as a runner. I thought yeah, that he'd be with, more with Gino. The athleticism is more of a, I, I don't want to say a bonus because he is legitimately athletic. He just doesn't, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not something it's, it's not something that he's a weapon. It's with. not the it's first more, option. Yeah. For it's these not the guys. first option. He's a passer yeah. first, but he uses yeah. that athleticism to maximize that. And Shader does the same thing. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, and I think that when I look at, you know, what he could be, I, I think staying another year is probably what he will end up doing. Um, there's no real reason for him to push it and, and go and try to make NFL money this year because he is Deion Sanders' kid. They, they don't need money. Um, and he's going to make a ton of money in NIL as well. So doesn't want to have to go up against Caleb Williams and, and Drake May in this draft class. And and I understand that. Plus, it'll give us another year of film for him. But I wanted to bring up really quickly, if you guys want to see a game where Caleb Williams is a little bit uncomfortable, go look at Oregon State from last year. That's a team that brought pressure on him all of the time, ran man coverage behind it and said, go try to beat us here. And he was uncomfortable for a lot of the game. And then he came back in the second half and he beat them with his arm against the pressure. So that's a really, really good one to look at. Hey, what could this dude be if Wink Martindale is playing against him and he's going to bring six or seven at all at all times? So that's that's a game to watch from them. Let's get into the... I, I mean, we can talk about the QB1 discussion. I, I think that we're still probably both with Williams here. Uh, I, I do want to address it because coming yeah. into the year, Drake May graded slightly higher for me. It was literally yeah. just the hair. Like it was essentially QB one A and QB one B. But we've we've played five games now, I think, four or five games. And uh to me, honestly, I think we've seen enough from both guys to put Williams over him comfortably in that discussion. Not like not a runaway battle, but I think there is a little bit of a gap now. And I think Drake May. He's put some really good throws on tape, man. I mean, especially that South Carolina game. There were some really impressive uh, bouts of anticipation down the field uh, using his mechanics to manipulate defensive backs in their alignment and create space for himself. Like, he has that high-level ability. So, you know, in structure, I'm still very confident in what he can do. But the decision-making lapses have been happening week after week consistently, right? And it's not yeah. its not constantly within the game. It's just one to two to three lapses. But those can change the outcome of the game. Those can change the momentum. You know, you don't want to give defenses an inch. And I think Drake May, or I think Williams is a little bit better at not giving that inch than, William, than May is right now. I think Drake May, you know, every now and then, and he has... He has complete, you know, I, I definitely see why he's so confident in his arm, right? But there are some times when, especially, you know, under pressure or off platform where he'll try to force it into a tight window and it's just not there or he waits just a hair too long and allows the DB to undercut it, right? You know, in those pressure situations, Drake May has the off platform ability, the elasticity, the arm talent to work in those kinds of circumstances. But I think Williams, the control, you know, the complete freedom, uh, that Williams has is is unmatched right now. I don't think May is at that level. So I think right now, I, I with Williams' tape, I still want to see him take what's given a little more consistently, but I think he has yeah. improved slightly uh, in that regard. Enough for me to say, you know, in tandem with May, still having those decision-making lapses. For me, right now, it was QB1A, QB1B. Now I'm comfortable saying, all right, Caleb Williams is QB1, May is QB2. And then we'll figure it out after that. I think that's kind of how it is right now. Still plenty of time. But for me, it, the pecking order has changed a little bit there. I agree. 
Uh, well, I, I don't agree because the pecking order for me hasn't changed. It was okay, always one okay. and two. But, uh, no, nah, I mean, things change all the time. Yeah. I mean, he could completely, I, I don't think Caleb Williams is going to, like, completely fall apart in the second half of the season. He threw for, like, 75,000 yards last year, and he's doing the same thing this year. But I I, I do, it's it's fluid. Everything yeah, could change. Fluid, that's the exact word yeah. I was thinking. It is fluid, right? And this yeah. is the same, a similar thing to what we were going through last cycle, man, with, like, C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson and Bryce Young. I mean, that whole group at the top was always so close. And, you know, you had to be fluid. You had to be open to changing your perspective, or not changing your perspective, right? You have your own unique perspective, but changing, you know, how you view those guys, right? Your perspective is imperfect, and you need to constantly be working to add to you know your information you know what do i not what don't i know and what do i need to figure out right so keep asking that so right now we know that drake may is imperfect in pressure situations we know caleb williams is a little bit better equipped to handle that and i think that's the difference right now i tend to agree now let's move on and uh we're gonna we're gonna visit cam ward because we have not talked enough about the washington state quarterback he's putting up nutty numbers the only thing keeping him from being in the forefront of the qb discussion is that the other guy in washington is throwing for even more yards and even more touchdowns that would be michael Penix jr who we will talk about later but cam ward somebody who you've been on this year so far in conversations over slack and and you know on on you know face to face when it comes to you know meetings not in the podcast saying that he has really improved uh, the operational side of his game. And that's really what he needed to improve going into the season to be a legitimate contender to, to kind of get out of that day three range and, and more into that day two range possibly. Yeah. And he had a bye week this past week, but in week four, he played Oregon state and he was immaculate. I mean, 28 of 34, I believe 404 yards. I think he had four touchdowns and then a fifth touchdown on the ground. Um, Cameron Ward is doing everything he needed to do to potentially become a round one prospect. I think, you know, the tools have always been there. If you remember geometry class in like high school, you played around with those compasses, drawing the circle, right? You had the pencil and the little metal implement, right? And you just kind of drew a circle. That's Cameron Ward's arm. I mean, 360, 360 degree arm elasticity. Any angle you need him to launch from, he can do it. Sidearm, underhand, he can generate velocity. He doesn't have an elite arm strength but he has enough velocity. And then against Oregon State, man, he was making all kinds of throws. I mean, the back shoulder placement, anticipating the sit on routes. I mean, some of the routes where he's releasing a full second before the receivers break and gets it there right on the money, right when it needs to get there. And then there was a seam route really early in the game or boundary fade from the slot where the receiver is draped. There is no space, but he still has the confidence to throw that ball and put it right in the whatever six inch bucket that it needs to get into just outreaching the defender i mean some of those throws were just insane and i think you know looking at that arm talent that he has the arm elasticity really allows him to layer velocity and touch at a high level right and it's not elite velocity but it's enough to get the ball where it needs to go on schedule and then you look at the composure the fluidity you know when he's creating in the pocket going off script uh, and he can work in rhythm too and just get his feet in the right spot you know he's doing everything he needed to to do. I think showing maturation was really key on the mental side and the mechanical side to kind of maintain that consistency with accuracy. And if you want to go back and watch that game, it was 
it was stellar. It, it, I think it might be the best QB performance that we've seen so far from any prospect in this class right now. Obviously, you want him to keep tying those things together. He's got a few really hard games down the line, a few Pac-12 uh, clashes with some of these really other talented QBs. But Cameron Ward, man, is, is operating at a level of efficiency that we haven't seen from him yet. And it's translating as a prospect. So the arm elasticity is there. The change of direction and creation capacity is there. And he's com- compounding that with accuracy, precision, discipline, and sound decision making, but also enough of a risk taking gene where like, I know the kind of throws that I can make and that confidence as a playmaker is truly inspiring as well. So uh, I don't know, I-, I haven't rerun the numbers yet. But it's safe to say he's a guy that we need to give a little more credence in the round one QB discussion because he is definitely trending that way. All right. I love it. Somebody else who was making just some absolutely ridiculous throws. And this was this past week against a good football team. That would be Jaden, the Slim Reaper Daniels, who he's a little bit wild. Okay. He is a heart attack on the football field. I have enjoyed watching him forever. First of all, he is a freaky, freaky athlete. Oh yeah. He reminds me a lot of Anthony Brown, uh, the backup quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens in the sense that like he can kind of just do anything when it comes to as a runner, as a a passer, he has the capability to do all this. Now I actually think that he is already a more advanced passer than Anthony is. uh, But, and I think that, you know, at the very least, this is a guy who, as a backup quarterback at the NFL level, is going to be one of those guys that we kind of look at, like we looked at Taylor Heineke, like we looked at Ryan Fitzpatrick, somebody who can come in and not just keep you in games, but legitimately win you football games with his ability. Now, the consistency, the decision-making, the um, need to go out and make every single play try to hurdle guys who are 100 pounds heavier than you try to slice through three defenders and, and get your head taken off like these are things he's going to have to learn at the nfl level we saw him get absolutely molly whopped yeah, it was like a rag in this game animation it, it, for a video game it was uh it was he slowed down and the way that i you know kind of likened it is uh when i used to play madden back in the day when they had the truck stick on oh, defense yeah. and you would just spam me up on it <laughs> And wait for the guy to get there, and then you would deplete them. That's exactly what it reminded me of. But the slot fades, the the downfield passing touch, the the ability to layer throws. He has enough arm talent. He has the anticipation. I like his quick game operation. Like, for me, this is a guy who I wouldn't even think about it. I would draft him on day two. In this class, it's a little bit different because there are so many talented players, but like I legitimately think that he's the best quarterback in the SEC. The problem is the rest of the team is not quite as good defensively. They have some struggles and they're I mean they're they're just not gonna win the SEC. But um I, I think he's a really good player. He's one of my favorites, obviously. He's been one of my favorites since he was a freshman. But uh, really nice to see him have a really good day against some really good competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted him to win that game, man. He was playing he was playing incredibly well. And, you know, hats off to Ole Miss. They came away with it, and they made some really nice plays too. But Jaden Daniels was just playing at a high level the entire time. And I feel like he's been a quarterback who, you know, in the summer we were talking about him like, this guy's athletic. He's got enough arm talent to work with. He can operate the quick game. Those are the boxes that we were checking with him. It was really, you know, can he add because he doesn't quite have that elite arm strength 
can he close the gap with technical development? And this game was a clinic, I thought, with ball placement, with timing, anticipation. You know, I think he showed everything he needed to show. And, you know, credit to the LSU offense, too. He's got two very good receivers to throw to. Brian Thomas yeah, Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. is a breakout guy who we could be talking about as an early round prospect at some point down the line. And Malik Neighbors goes without saying we ranked him uh, as our second or third receiver uh, last week on the wide receivers pod. So he's got talent to throw to. But Jaden Daniels from the pocket in structure was maximizing them with his throwing ability last week. And I think that was really important because until then, until this season, he's really been that hyper athletic guy who sometimes relies on that to a fault. But now you see it, you know, it's still a primary part of his game, creating and and producing as an athlete, as a runner. But he can dice up defenses in the pocket now. And that's scary, man, because you add that to the equation, the timing, the discipline, the pocket composure. Uh, and the ability to stay on rhythm too and, and maximize your weapons. He's shown all of that. So it's a tough conversation because we say these things about so many different quarterbacks, but we can only fit so many into that top 100 range because there's only so many picks. Uh, there's going to be some interesting decisions. I think, like you said earlier, like, like we've talked about, if Shadur Sanders returns to school, that's going to change the dynamics a little bit, right? It's going to add some more space for someone to sneak in today too, but there could be other decisions looming. Cameron Ward will have a decision to make because I think he has another year of eligibility if he wants to use it, but his stock is soaring, so maybe not. Uh, there's a few other young quarterbacks who, you know, Riley Leonard is another one. Maybe he returns to school, right, because he has more eligibility, and I think this that might be the best thing and for that, him. And that ankle injury might. Yeah might set him back quite some time as well. Exactly. So there's a few decisions looming. This quarterback class is very interesting because we don't fully know who's declaring and who's not right now. So we just have to consider everyone. But there's going to be some clarity at the very end of the season when we finally see that. But regardless, I think Jaden Daniels has played well enough to say he could be a day two pick regardless of how many quarterbacks declare because he is playing. He's operating at a very high level within the pocket. And you know he's got talent to work with. But he himself has talent as well. And I think at the very least, stick around as a high-level backup spot starter. That's a valuable position to have in the NFL. And if you have a guy with his kind of talent, uh, it's something that I would definitely take a swing on. Quinn Ewers is somebody who I think everybody has kind of been higher on throughout the process than we have been. I think, you know, when you look at things like the consensus big board uh, on the Internet, You'll see him as the QB three. That is not where we see him. I don't believe. Uh, I think he's more in that, you know, probably five to, to six range. But he has shown, I mean, the game against Alabama was obviously terrific. I love the way that he operates uh, in that Steve Sarkeesian offense. But that Steve Sarkeesian offense offers a lot of answers to some really tough questions. It's a it's a very good, very clean offense for a quarterback who has the operational capacity to run. We saw that same thing with Mac Jones and it, it turned Mac Jones into a first rounder. And I think that Quinn Ewers has more physical ability than somebody like Mac Jones. But when I look at him, I still see much like Drake may, but without the freaky physical tools that Bozo gene still exists in Quinn Ewers. It, it's the, the need to make a bad decision two or three times a game that should be picked off that he's going to have to work out if he's going to be a starting quarterback at the NFL level. And he obviously has the physical ability, but we're looking at these guys. This is a ridiculous draft class of quarterbacks. There might be three of these guys, four of these guys that end up being successful NFL players. That's just the way that it goes. That's the way that the numbers work out. 
But with a guy like yours, if he can hone in on those mistakes, I think that he has the ability to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. My problem is he's playing with A.D. Mitchell. He's playing with Xavier Worthy. He has a very good running back in the backfield and the number one tight end in the class. So that is a lot helping you on top of Sark's offense. What can he be without that, without that environment around him? Because he still makes those poor decisions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the question that you need to ask with him, especially with the competition that he's going up against. Like a lot of the young quarterbacks that we've talked about in previous pods, Cameron Ward today, right? Like if I'm putting them head to head, Ward's got the creation capacity. He's got the arm elasticity. I think him and Ewers are up there best in the class, along with Williams with arm elasticity and the angle freedom. But I think Ward right now is a little bit better at operating in structure, a little bit better at, you know, that with that consistent accuracy and ball placement, anticipation, right? So like everything I put him up against with other quarterbacks and JJ McCarthy, right? I think McCarthy's a more dynamic athlete. I think he has that bozo gene that you like to refer to as well. There's some times where he'll try to force some passes. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. he's a guy who is really showing flashes of high level anticipation pocket maneuverability, defensive manipulation so far this year, right? So, you know, things that, you know, we have seen improvement from Quinn Ewers. I think the deep ball placement in particular is something that was really iffy last year. I think he's really improved that this year. And he's got guys in Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell who have the speed to make the most of those opportunities. But that interception against Kansas, again, right? You know, he's he's stepping up into the pocket. He's almost on the scramble drill, but he's going through the A gap, right? And he tries to fit it into that tight window and he doesn't see the linebacker breaking over the pass. You know, it's just one of those types of plays, right? You need to have the vision and the discretion to know when to hold off on triggering on that pass, right? With Quinn Ewers, you know, sometimes there's an overconfidence in his arm. He's got great arm talent, elasticity, but I think we both agree in the preseason, the arm strength is not quite at that elite level, right? The velocity generation, the ease of velocity is not quite at that elite level, right? So I think you're looking at a guy who is a good enough athlete. He's a passable athlete for sure. Really great, great angle freedom. Uh, good arm strength right so you know a good set of tools but is it in that elite category where i can break into round one without comparable operational proficiency i don't know yet and especially with the competition that he's facing this year i still need to see a little bit more right so i think we've seen progress from quinn ewers but progress for him is not quite enough because he's not the high level athlete that some other passers are he's not the you know, bazooka armed quarterback like Drake May is, right? So I think you're looking at a non-elite skill set. And when you have that, you have a little more ground to make up in the draft conversation. Yes. Michael Penix Jr. Uh we can stop talking about him, right? Because he didn't he didn't throw a touchdown this week against yep. Arizona. He uh he didn't throw a touchdown against Arizona. He just went 30 for 30 for 40 for 363 yards. They still won the football game. It was actually a close game, which a little bit upsetting for uh, CFN's top team in the top 25 poll. But this is a guy who that, that we talked about downfield touch with with Jaden Daniels. Penix, that touch downfield is un, unbelievable. And, and it's not just the touch. I mean, he is able to to push the ball down the field along the sidelines well late in, late in progressions really just chucking it out there, torquing the midsection and creating that velocity where I didn't really see it on his tape last year. And I still don't think that he has an elite arm. Now, maybe the the left-handed throwing is throwing me off, 
but it just doesn't look like the top guys when it comes to the arm talent. He also has the extensive, extensive injury history. And so you really have to think like operationally, I loved him last year. I really like what he has above the shoulders, but you kind of expect that from a sixth year guy who has played a ton of football. So you expect him to be advanced and be able to throw with, you know, big A anticipation from time to time. And that's what he's done. He is a grown man really dominating at the college level right now. My question is six year guy been around a long time. Doesn't have elite arm talent. Doesn't have elite athleticism. He's an okay athlete. He can move a little bit like for me, at the best, we're looking at somebody like Teddy Bridgewater, right? I mean, a little bit more aggressive with, with his throwing passing ability. He will push the ball downfield more. But what is the ceiling? Could, could he be a guy like Tua at the next level where in the right offense could be a legitimate weapon? Or is he more like a, a Teddy B who is going to be a little bit limited at the next level on top of the extensive injury history? I just don't know where to place him right now because of all of these variables that we have to deal with for him specifically in a quarterback class that is so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think with Penix, you almost have to project to what if he's in that right offense, right? Because I do think he is a good athlete, good enough, right? But I think that the specific thing that we referenced in a previous pod was kind of the hip stiffness, right? You know, it's not just about explosiveness and speed. When you're a quarterback and if you need to change direction quickly in the pocket, you got to be able to swivel your hips, realign your base and, and get out on the move quickly. Right. And, you know, he does have enough mobility, but that stiffness is there for him. And it's not there for guys like Cam Ward or Quinn Ewers or Caleb Williams. Right. Guys who can just, you know, unhinge at the drop of a hat and just get on the move right now. Ewers is not a great athlete, not a great speed guy. Once he unhinges. Right. I think Caleb Williams is a much better example where, you know, the change direction, the hinge flexibility. You know, he can get out and, and evade guys on a dime, and it's just it's just effortless for him. With Michael Penix, there is a lot more surface area to move, right? So you got the stiffness there, and that can kind of delay those off-script plays. But, you know, and I, this was kind of something that I was thinking about with my seven-round mock I just released. I gave Michael Penix to the Minnesota Vikings, right? And I, I'm thinking about what if you put him in that offense with that good offensive yeah. line, uh, and look at what Kirk Cousins has done this year. He had kind of an iffy week against Carolina, but, you know, the past three weeks before that, over 300 yards, right? I think he was leading the, the, the league in touchdowns, right? So a guy who was just given free reign to dice up defenses, operate within the pocket, and you've got some a, a few guys who win one-on-one with the routes. Justin Jefferson goes without saying, right? But Jordan Addison, too. Uh, K.J. Osborne out the slot has some utility. So, you know, K.J. Hawkinson as well. Yeah, they got the weapons there. So what if you you put Penix in an offense where he has a good blocking front so he doesn't have to constantly be recollecting his feet and on the move? Right. And what if you give him the weapons to, you know, provide that utility against defensive coverages? I think, you know, if you put him in that kind of offense, to me, he has the skills to be like you said, you know, you were saying, is he to attack up to attack up Iloa? Or is he Teddy Bridgewater? I am inclined to go with the former if you put him in the right system. And I feel like the the right system argument is a little unfair because even the most talented quarterbacks, if they're not in the right system, yeah. it can deflate their entire development, development process. So it's something every QB to an extent needs the right system. Some QBs can counteract it to a degree if they're talented enough. Justin Herbert with Joe Lombardi, I, I look at as an example. But, you know, you do need that to attain – the real kind of success you want at the NFL level. So 
we're operating with the assumption let's say he's drafted early gets that system that he needs you know gets the offensive line gets the weapons i do think he has the arm talent the driving velocity necessary and then operationally you know you're you're looking at a guy who can manage the pocket he's decisive when he sees things he sees them quick and he triggers on them quickly he understands defensive leverage and coverage very well the ball placement you know the layering ability like we talked about with so many guys it's there with him but you know it's weird because you know the arm strength argument has been one that we've talked about a lot with Penix. It doesn't always the ball doesn't always have elite zip on it. It looks like, but it just gets where it needs to go. And I mean, you're talking about like two seconds, four, 30, 40 yards down the field, it's there, right? You know, it just it's like on, it's on a monorail almost, and just you know teleports to his target. Like he's got that kind of easy arm strength where you know it's not always that rocket explosive arm strength, but. You know, it's very efficient. It's very, very, you know, streamlined, and it just gets where it needs to go, keeps the offense on rhythm. And you look at that in tandem with the operational qualities that he has, the anticipation, the field vision, the pocket discipline. Uh, to me, if you put him in the right offense, you were looking at a guy who can be a productive NFL starter. And again, I think for me, the biggest question, you mentioned it, medicals. How is he going to, you know, kind of grade out at the NFL combine on the medical spectrum? Uh, if he checks out there and if teams aren't too scared away by that, I could see him going in round one because he has been very productive, very efficient. And I think the arm strength is there to the degree where, you know, he's worth that uh, capital investment. That's it. That's all we got for you guys today. We are getting out of here in under 40 minutes, which I think is going to be a record for us. You guys know that we love to talk. We will be back on Thursday. And I believe we are doing a mailbag this week. I believe we are doing mailbag. Do you want to do a mailbag? Let's just. I let's, want to do a mailbag. I like mailbags. I like mailbags it, it, too. Listen, are they a bit of a cop out because we don't actually have to come up with topics to talk <laughs> about? They, they're they're given to us. Yes, it is a bit of a cop out. You're supposed we to keep care? that below the vest, man. Come on. No, man. no, absolutely not. We do not care. We love it. We want you to be a part of this podcast just as much as we are a part of it. And we enjoyed and so, all the questions we got last time, too. I thought yeah. that was a great discussion on a ton of different topics. So I think, you know, covering the most ground um, and getting the most analysis out there, the, the mailbags really help with that. And we appreciate you all uh, for providing questions when you do. So, yeah, let's do a mailbag, mailbag on Thursday. Let's do it. Also, I would like to point out I did not get punched in the eye or anything like that. You guys see this right here. Uh, it is eczema and uh, it is going away slowly, I believe. But that's all we got for you guys on this Monday. We will see you again on Thursday. And as always, guys, I love you. Goodbye. Goodbye.